Hey there, I'm Bethany Van Delft, and this is The 10 News, the show where, in the time it takes for you and eight friends to build a house together in Minecraft, we find out what's up in the world. It's the stuff grown-ups are talking about, explained, and a lot more fun. It's Tuesday, October 13th. In today's episode, we'll find out what's supreme about the Supreme Court, look back at how the NBA kept COVID off the basketball court, and meet a team who's helping her generation stay on the ball. Okay, let's get into the 10. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 1. You may have noticed a lot of talk lately about the Supreme Court, but what's it all about? What does the Supreme Court even do? To help us with some answers, let's go to our correspondent, Pamela Kirkland. It's called the highest court in the land, the Marble Palace, the SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States. And if you have a big legal problem, this is the place to get an answer. The first Monday of October marks the beginning of the Supreme Court session. So last week was just kind of like back to school for the men and women who work at the Supreme Court, known as justices. Their job is to hear some of the most important cases in the country and using laws that are already written, decide which side makes the better argument. Sometimes the justices agree. Sometimes they don't. But the justices on the court are trusted to follow the Constitution and make the best decisions they can. Getting a seat on the court isn't easy. The president picks a person to appoint or nominate for the job. Then the Senate decides whether they get the job by voting on it. The majority wins. There have been 114 Supreme Court justices in the history of the court. Only four of those have been women. Justice Sandra Day O'Connor was the first woman to serve on the Supreme Court. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the second. She recently passed away, leaving an empty seat for a new nominee, but she was world famous for her legal opinions. She was nicknamed the Notorious RBG and was a trailblazer for women's rights. She spent a lot of her career arguing that men and women are equal and laws should treat them the same way. And even though her side didn't always win, she was known for writing her arguments with passion. The Constitution does not specify the number of justices the Supreme Court should have and leaves it to Congress to decide. In September, the president nominated Judge Amy Coney Barrett to fill the seat that Justice Ginsburg held. Being confirmed a Supreme Court justice is a lifetime appointment. An empty seat on the court is a really big deal because the person who fills it could impact the court's decision for decades. We'll all be keeping an eye on the status of the SCOTUS. Since July, sports fans have watched as the NBA, WNBA, and NHL all rolled out safe solutions to resume their seasons postponed by the coronavirus. How did they do it? Players, staff, and members of the media lived in bubbles. That sounds funny, right? But what exactly is a bubble? Hmm. To put it simply, it's a group of people who only have close contact with each other and agree to practice social distancing with everyone else, just like the bubble you've stayed in with your loved ones at home. 
Okay. But for the NBA, the bubble was the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida. What? Teams stayed in designated hotels on site from July all the way through the October postseason. Shout out to the Lakers! All while playing games in nearby arenas without fans. Staying in the bubble was the best way to prevent a coronavirus outbreak between athletes. Good thinking. While players didn't have access to the Disney Park rides during their stay, which explains why we never got that picture of LeBron and AD riding Space Mountain together, there were lots of activities they did to stay busy between games. These included things like golfing, swimming, and playing all the video games they wanted. Jelly. All fun aside... Bubbles have worked. It went so well that NBA players were even allowed to have some family members and longtime friends attend games, which explains all the cute babies you've seen sitting courtside lately. And with all the success in these leagues, you probably wondered, why didn't MLB immediately go the way of the bubble? Especially since coronavirus outbreaks amongst the Marlins and Cardinals temporarily benched both teams. Simple. The league is too large with too many games for everyone to have stayed in one location. But that changed during the third round of playoffs when the MLB relocated to two neutral bubble sites, Petco Park in Dodger Stadium in California and Globe Life Park in Minute Maid Field in Texas. If there's anything to take from this, it's that players will have to uphold all safety precautions by wearing masks, practicing social distancing, and getting tested regularly. Everyone has to be all in at all times, which is something athletes are used to. Even if one person tests positive for coronavirus, it could spread around the bubble quicker than a fastball over home plate. Let's hope it works. There are young people just like you out there finding meaningful ways to make a difference in our world. I caught up with 16-year-old Olivia Seltzer, founder of the popular newsletter, The Cram, to learn more about how she's sparking change by sharing information. For anyone out there who doesn't know, why don't you tell us what The Cram is? The Cram is a daily newsletter for Gen Z. Basically, what I do is wake up at 5 a.m. every day to read the news, create relevant stories, and then rewrite them in a way that truly speaks to Gen Z. So we have news that's engaging, digestible, and accessible. Then I send this out in a newsletter via email, text, uh, social media, IGTV, a podcast, basically everything out there in multiple languages to readers in over 100 countries all over the world with the goal of educating and activating our generation. Holy guacamole. How did you get this idea? When I was 12 years old, and it was the 2016 U.S. presidential election, I remember the day after I went to school, the majority of the kids at my school are the children of undocumented immigrants. And there was there was a lot of, of talk about what was going on in our government. And I think it was one of the first times we all really felt this direct connection to what was happening in our government. Um, so we all were talking a lot about the news and politics, but at the same time, none of us were actually reading or watching the news because it's primarily written by and geared towards an older demographic. And I saw this as a really huge problem, but if you don't know what's going on in the world, you can't really do anything to fix the problems that need to be fixed. So my whole life, I've always loved writing. So I kind of figured, okay, why don't I just create the solution? So a couple months later in 
um, February of 2017, I sent out the very first newsletter and I've been writing them every single day since. So now we have um, about 500 youth ambassadors all over the world who work to spread the cram in a variety of different ways. Oh, that's incredible. And are they also contributors and, and interviewers and content providers? So we have an editorial team who helps with sending in stories from their respective locations. So I can try to, I can try to give like a broader spectrum of Gen Z and the kinds of stories happening around the world. So it's not as like U.S. centric. They also interview inspiring young people to feature in newsletters. I'm a big believer in like the ripple effect of activism. If you have these big youth activists, you're going to see more youth activists across every field who are going to be inspired. What would you say to kids who aren't old enough to vote, but want to make a difference? So I think that it's a matter of making sure that you are informed for when it is your time to vote, because I've noticed that that's a really big problem is that a lot of people turn 18. They've never been exposed to politics before because they haven't been expected to be, because they can't get involved in that traditional kind of way. And then they don't vote because they don't know who to vote for. So make sure that when it is your time to vote, you are informed about the issues so that you feel confident voting. Make sure that you are getting involved in all of those unconventional ways that Gen Zers are are creating, whether that is raising awareness on social media, participating in a, a protest or rally, or even creating one of your own. Fantastic. Thank you so, 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 so much for taking the time to talk with us. I know that you're busy. Thank you. I mean, the cram would be nothing if we didn't have people like you supporting it. So thank you so much. To hear more of my talk with Olivia, go to the10news.com. It's time for your fun fact of the day. Did you know that for most people, it's impossible to lick your own elbow? Go ahead and try it. I'll wait. Can't do it. Okay, I tried it. It's not possible. Well, time's up. That's the end of the 10 for today. You can catch new episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The 10 News is a co-production of Small But Mighty Media in collaboration with Next Chapter Podcasts and distributed by iHeartRadio. The 10 News writing team is led by editorial director Tracy Crooks with contributions from Stephen Tompkins and Pamela Kirkland. The creative producer is Jenner Pasqua. Marketing is led by Jacob Bronstein with social media and web support by Bryn Jura and Adam Farr. Editing and sound design by Edgar Kamei and Greg Cortez under the production direction of Jeremiah Tittle. Executive producer Donald Albright and show creator Tracy Leeds Kaplan round out the team. If you have questions about the show, a story idea, or a fun fact you want to share, email us at hello at the10news.com. I'm Bethany Van Delft, and thanks for listening to The 10 News. Now, go tell your friends everything you learned today.